0: Welcome back to The Catch. I am your host, Michael Adams, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Benjamin Valle from the St. Jose Maria Institute. Benjamin, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, of course. We're honored to have you. Um, I reached out to Benjamin and his team a few weeks ago on social media, saw what they were doing, their mission uh, was very convicted, very inspiring, and uh, you know, Jose Maria, he's a good man, good saint, and yeah, I wanted to bring Benjamin on to kind of talk more about his life, as well as like what his institute does, all these good things, but before we really dive into that, I'm going to let Benjamin tell you guys a little bit about himself, give a little introduction. Awesome.
1: Um, Thanks, Michael. Um, Yeah, so for me, I, let's see, I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs, currently in the city of Chicago, so I can fully say that I'm a Chicago resident, Um, but Um, Yeah, grew up. um, My background is in theology, also a little bit um, started off in music at the University of Illinois, and then found my way to Franciscan University to study theology. Um, And then from there, I just jumped into parish ministry for about four years and did a little bit of youth ministry, working with junior high and high school students in the Chicagoland area. And then um, from there, I did a little freelance work as a worship leader and as a musician. And then eventually found my way to the St. Jose Maria Institute and have been working as their communications coordinator um, for the Institute and kind of diving into the life of St. Jose Maria Escriva, which has been awesome. I didn't know, I wasn't too familiar with him prior to coming to the Institute. i really had only come across a handful of his writings, um, but since being at the Institute, it's been really interesting to learn about his life and really kind of eye-opening and inspiring for my own spiritual journey to learn more about his life as well.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I actually had a very similar experience. Um, a couple of my really good friends from college were originally Opus Day. Their whole family was Opus Dei. Uh, and so they came to me in college and were like, oh man, have you ever heard of this St. Jose Maria Escriva guy? And I was like, no, never. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I haven't. Um, and they put a couple of quotes like on my door and around their halls. And I was like, oh man, this guy is just like, he's just spewing straight fire. Like this guy is so wise. He's got so many good quotes. And I know we're gonna go into that later. Um, So we're gonna save that. But first, (laughs) again, you know, we're introducing you from the St. Jose Maria Institute. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with it, could you maybe just go high level? What is the institute kind of, how did it come about? What is the mission? What are you guys striving for? What are you doing?
1: Sure, so we, so the institute started back in 2006. And it's really, over the years, just evolved as a digital apostolate, more or less. Um, And so our mission is to really just share the message of Saint Jose Maria Escriva and to share his, messe- share his message that ordinary life can be holy. Ordinary life can be full of God, um, and that you don't have to you don't have to be living in a convent. You don't have to be a priest. <clears throat> Although those are great things; those are great vocations. Um, but anyone in the world can find holiness in your daily work, in your conversations with friends, on um, the basketball court, and the baseball field no matter where you are, every single moment of your life can be, can be sanctified. And so that's really the heart of St. Jose Maria's spirituality. And so for the Institute, our, our premise is really just to share that with all people. St. Jose Maria is linked, obviously, to Opus Dei, which is, um, which is a religious organization for the lay faithful, also for priests as well. And so a lot of people associate his spirituality and his life solely with that organization, solely with Opus Dei. And so we're kind of bringing his message to, to the masses per se, um, whether or not you're involved with Opus Dei, you can still gain so much spiritual fruit from him. And so part of our outreach in that respect is via social media. We'll share a lot of his writings through our um, Facebook and Instagram accounts. And a lot of our photos, too, he, St. Jose Maria, lived throughout the 1900s. And so we have all of these photographs of his life. And so we're able to share those with the world as well, um, which is really cool to see a saint of the 21st century in that regard. Um, And so outside of social media, we do a weekly podcast as well. We'll bring in, um, we have four priests of Opus Dei who will record meditations for us. And so we'll share those on the podcast and they kind of break down some of St. Jose Maria's writings. Um, we have, um, we'll do a couple of conferences throughout the year. Um, right now they're turning virtual just with the state of things in the world, but um, sometimes we have them in person as well. And then um, outside of that, we'll just do a lot of devotionals or seasonal kind of seasonal resources. We'll do spiritual retreats, things like that. Really all in on all in the spirit of his writings and spirituality, but not necessarily 100% his writings, if that makes sense. So we're kind Mm -hmm. of stemming from, stemming, using his spirituality as the source, but then also just kind of making them relevant, making them, a lot of our resources become liturgical based just kind of throughout the seasons of the year, things like that. And so really, really translating his resources into everyday life, even though they are already very relevant to everyday life.
0: Yeah and I think we're, I always think we're really lucky when we have saints like him who are so recent. Um, I I know I think of a lot of saints sometimes like Saint Francis of Assisi is a a very important saint to me. Sometimes it's hard though because the time period he was around was so long ago. It's hard to relate to some of the writings. It's hard to relate to some of the context and we have saints like this who were alive you know 50, 60 years ago. Um, You know it puts things in more context. Their words take more meaning It's more in tune with relevant issues, relevant problems. And, you know, all the saints writings are, of course, applicable, but they seem a little bit more directly written to us and spoken to us. Um, So I think it's a really cool mission you guys are doing trying to get those words out and share them, Um, especially because I do think his spirituality, his ideas, um, his methodologies did get kind of not limited, but people do look at him as, you know, tied to Opus Dei. Um, and if right. you're not Opus Dei, sometimes like I I was never exposed to him or you don't, you think, well, I'm not Opus Dei. That's not for me. Um, right, so right, right, the right. outreach of kind of branching out, taking his word to the masses uh, obviously is good use. Um, it's obviously necessary. Um, and I, I think I did some reading the other day too, just like the expansion of Opus Dei within the last mm-hmm. 50 years is just exponential. Um, so obviously today's modern world is starting to latch more and, word, more and more onto his words and on his spirituality. Um, but before we go into digging deep into his spirituality, uh, you know, his mission, Opus Dei specifically even, sure, yeah. um, I want to start with kind of how did this develop? How, what are the roots of his spirituality? And, you know, I always think with myself, my own personal religion, my own personal spirituality, the roots of that oftentimes come from my own personal experiences, obviously, mm-hmm. my childhood Um, You and I talked before this, kind of our experiences at college, uh, various moments in our lives that impact us and change us for the rest of our life. Um, So before really diving into that, I want to start with first talking about his life. Um, So yeah, I'll let you open the floor. Um, Anything you know, anything that you thought stuck out about his life that really points us in the direction to his spirituality, uh, the key takeaways from his childhood or from his adolescence that could have
1: birthed this great saint that we now know. Sure, definitely. Uh, well, I think with most people too. I think a lot of our spirituality is stems from stems from the family in a sense because that is the domestic church. And so for Saint Jose Maria, he gained he gained a lot from his parents. He his family definitely had their share of hardships. Um, a few of his siblings passed away at a very early age. Um, his family went through financial hardship. Um, his own father passed away when Saint Jose Maria was about twenty years old, just a few months before his ordination. Um, and so. So he definitely didn't have an easy life, um, so to speak, growing up. Um, and he, especially after his father passed away, he sort of became kind of the, a leading figure in his family, and he helped to take care of his mother and some of his siblings as well. Um, while he was going through ordination for the priesthood and setting up Opus Day, his family is very closely tied to him, And um, which I think for anybody... Um, again, that's just kind of your domestic church. That's where you feel safe and comfortable. And so yeah, a course. lot of his spirituality stemmed from that and from his parents. And so they really, <clears throat> um, that was kind of where a lot of his his spiritual devotions grew from. Um, and so, but a big a big aspect of his life though was when he was 16 years old, um, he was outside walking in the middle of winter and he came across, um, he looked down and he saw footprints in the snow and he looked down the road and he saw this friar. And so the footprints were obviously from the friar And that led St. Jose Maria to start thinking of just the dedication that this man as a friar had given to the Lord and that his whole life has been pledged to the service of God, the service of God as a friar, whether that's to his immediate community or whether that's to the people that he's serving at the time. And so that moment really led St. Jose Maria to begin to think, what am I, what am I called to do in my own life and what, what opportunities do I have to give my life to the Lord? And so that's really kind of what led, that's really the beginning of his own discernment process. And from there, he really felt called to go into the priesthood. And so at the time he was pursuing a degree in architecture. And then um, when he kind of had that change of heart, he left architecture to go into the seminary. And then while he was in seminary, he was also studying um, canon law. So he was going through law school, um, law school as well. While going through a seminary, and so he, so yeah, so he went through ordination, and then um, his life just kind of continued that large journey. And so a big piece of his life stemmed from that moment of those footprints in the the footprints in the footprints in the snow. Sorry, um, (laughs) of really just that moment of surrender and really opening your life up to what God might be calling you to. And so that's really. What allowed him the the grace and the openness to see what God is calling him to later on in life, especially at the start of launching Opus Day. Um, if he wasn't open to God's will and God's call, he might not have clearly heard that voice to jump into Opus Day and to really start that movement.
0: Yeah, I think that tiny moment of just seeing this uh, friar's footprints in the snow. You know, to me, that's like it's such an insignificant thing, almost. You know what are the odds that you was seen that? What are the odds he walked that path? What are the odds that Friar right. walked that same path? You know, you almost wonder what would have been different had he not seen this. And you know, the car, the, the Friar whose footprints it were, there was no way he was playing that. He wasn't like, Oh, I bet a uh, good old, I bet that 16 year old Jose Maria is going to be walking through this path later. I, right, I better go right. put my footprints down and make sure that he knows my dedication the friar is probably living out his everyday life he's like this is my path I have to go home or I have to go serve these people right Um, exactly I think it's really beautiful just that was the simplicity and that was the tiny act that inspired Jose Maria into who he became Um, and truly it's almost a testament to our own selves of just our own witness Um, Mm -hmm. just like the smallest acts in our lives and like the ripple effect, you know, you always hear, what's the ripple effect of your actions?
1: Right, right. Who would have
0: thought that this friar walking home uh, that would have inspired, o- Opus Dei would have inspired, Jose Murray would have inspired this great saint of a modern church. Um, another thing I found right. really interesting about what you were saying there is all the tragedy that kind of struck him at a young age. Mm-hmm. I know we've discussed that he, he lost, uh, I think three siblings at a very young age, uh, lost his father at the age of 20. Yet this is a saint who is known for his joy and known for his happiness. Uh, right. Which is so contradictory to what you would expect out of him. You could, if, if you're him or find him, you know, it'd be very easy to turn that over on top of itself and become a very closed off, brittle human being, uh, especially being closed off to
1: God specifically. Um, the, right. Thinking, and I, I think
0: I'll oh, go, go for
1: ahead. it. Uh, oh, go I, well, I think about really just shows to you his, uh, his connection to Christ and his commitment to Christ and really, the understanding of suffering and he does have some writings on suffering and kind of sharing in those hardships of his um but really just connecting that that suffering back to the cross of christ and uniting your own pain with um with the cross of christ and the pain of christ and using that as redemptive so that way in those redeeming moments um that can become a fuel for joy because you're turning that negative into a positive
0: yeah exactly um and it's interesting too. I think oftentimes uh when individuals encounter Christ as um, intimately as, as he did, um whether it was in that moment um, where he saw the footsteps and suddenly knew God's call for him um or in the future part of his life, you know you think that in this moment there's this great conversion, and after that there's a great amount of peace, the suffering's over, life is easy from now on um And unfortunately, that's not the case. Obviously, we all know that. But uh, we can look to his life even for a greater example of that. And I know that when we were talking about this podcast, about getting it going, I I told you that I was kind of interested in his early to mid life. Um, You know, he's originally from Spain. Uh, When he was starting Opus Dei, there was this civil war going. The Catholic Church was under great persecution. Um, Mm -hmm. And you would almost think that God gave him this great inspiration. Why would that great inspiration be met? met with all of these trials, all of this persecution. And that persecution, I guess we can also note, wasn't just from his native country of Spain, it was also from within the church. Um, I I just wanted to hear your opinions on that, what you thought about that entire situation.
1: Uh, Yeah, that actually is a really good question. Even as you think of that Part of me is thinking to myself, "Oh, I've never really put that in the context that Opus Dei was really stemmed from this whole period of persecution within Spain, um, this period of religious persecution." But I think it goes to show to the the hope that can come out of any situation, um, no matter no matter what you're faced with, as long as you continue to just kind of keep your eyes on Christ, that you can find the strength to carry through and to pull yourself through that and so in him in the life of St. Jose Maria and really um and really beginning this movement and really starting to share his spirituality with a lot of people in the midst of the Spanish Civil War and so much persecution I really think just goes to show the, the perseverance and the steadfastness that you need in those times of trial and that um, you can still continue to sanctify your daily life you can still continue to seek christ in no matter no matter the situation that you find yourself in um, whether that is in times of joy whether that's in moments of suffering whether that's moments of fear whether that's moments of isolation where you can't even practice the faith in public um, or yeah where you can't come together as a community you can still find you can still call in the presence of christ and you can still receive that grace of christ in those moments
0: Yeah. A good, a good priest friend once told me when this was all starting, he was like, do you really think that Christ can be contained by the walls of a church? Do you really think that you can't come to personally interact with him to intimately come to know him without stepping inside the church? I was kind of like dumped. I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, it seems like it will be pretty hard actually. Um, and he was pretty stern with me. He's like, <laughs> he's just like, come on, like, you know, that's not the case. Like if you truly right. believe that our God and that our, our Lord is very intimate and he wants to know you personally, how then would he be contained to those walls and say, well, if you can't come see me, then you're on your own, you're abandoned, you're lonely, go right. deal with it right. yourself. And when you can come back to me, then I'll deal with you. Um, and so it's just an important thing to remember in these times, especially, you know, like, as you said, like in Definitely. the time where, we can barely even go to church. Uh, We can barely even uh, worship in public, these kinds of deals. Uh, And I didn't even make that connection until you said it, how similar these times almost are to probably Mm -hmm. when he was starting Opus Dei in Spain, Um, just all the persecution that he underwent. Um,
1: Yeah, and there was even times, I mean, when he um, kind of, he hiked through the Pyrenees Mountains to flee, to be able to go and practice the faith. Um, He was hiding in isolation with a few of his close friends and they, um, we're literally in a room together in isolation for quite a while. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the circumstances were drastically different to what we experienced <laughs> the past six months. I don't want to underestimate what he went through with a civil war going on around him, but um, he definitely, there's a lot of moments that we can draw from that aspect of his life and relate a little bit to in our current time today and just his, again, his perseverance and his joy and um, those moments of spiritual communion where Christ exist beyond the walls of the church just like you said
0: yeah uh, and honestly he was probably fleeing imprisonment probably fleeing people who genuinely wanted to kill him wanted to see the yeah, end yeah. of his ministry um and again even as opus day had a very small and humble beginning as it began to grow i can only imagine that the leaders of spain the leaders of all of these forces that opposed him were kind of like, ah, we might want to go address that. We might want to stomp that out now while it's young, before it gets out of control, before it starts spreading to the masses. Um, And I I did do some reading. I know that was something that stopped him from actually expanding Opus Dei in the beginning. He couldn't spread it to the cities that he wanted to. And so the birth had to be a little bit generated, a little bit slower. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they won like temporarily, I guess. But at the end of the day, he came out on top. Um, which is cool, uh, obviously. <laughs> Speaking of Opus Day, uh, I guess we got to go into, of course, probably the thing he's for greatest sure. known for with Opus Day. Um, I don't believe either of us are Opus Day, so we're probably not going to be yeah. your Opus Day experts today. <laughs> um, but I know that we can also have a good conversation on it, so I'm excited for it. Uh, first, I want to ask you what does Opus Day stand for? Um, this is something that I never knew until I think like a week ago, when I asked one of my friends, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, "Sure, so Opus Day really is the work of God, um, and really, really sanctifying that daily life, and really providing that opportunity for men and women, the lay faithful, um, priests, all to be able to sanctify their daily life and to grow in fellowship with one another, um, and to really, just really offer their daily activities of." of again everyday life whether that's at home whether that is at work whether that is on the sports field and really just be able to offer that up to God
0: yeah yeah Uh, you took the words out of my mouth obviously um you know Opus Dei legitimately translates to the works and you know there's no way of taking that in any other form other than what he intended it to be um and that is the ability and responsibility to sanctify our everyday lives um and I Like how he said, if you have the ability to sanctify your work, um, but you also have a responsibility to sanctify your work, mm-hmm. and this is something that I've definitely been struggling with, especially when you have frustrating days at work, uh, frustrating days That's at right. home, even those kinds of things like just inviting Christ into those moments can be so difficult. Um, but his spirituality truly is so simple, and it's truly just whatever that is, there is a way to relate it to Christ, and you know, I, I always think there's nothing that we have experienced here in our own lives that Christ also didn't experience, whether that is loneliness, whether that is abandonment, um, whether that is persecution from our friends, um, all of these things we know that he experienced probably deeper than we'll ever know. Um, And so with me, it always comes down to, Oh, well, I can't sanctify this. How am I supposed to sanctify this? This is awful. Like there's no good that I can bring out of this. And it's like, well, look to the gospel, look to Christ's life. Um, And obviously I'm always proven wrong. Um, And I do know that that was one of the big things that um, he stood for and pushed, but also the Opus Dei does push, is a very intimate relationship with the scriptures, intimate relationship with the gospels. I know you mentioned this earlier uh, that your priests come on and do podcasts with different meditations is something that I've heard are famous meditations that come from the Opus Dei Priests. Um, I've heard they're moving. I haven't been able to make it to one yet, but I wanted to hear, you know, a little bit more musing, maybe a little bit more expansion on that idea from you.
1: Same. Sure. Um, so it's really interesting that you, you had mentioned to you that his spirituality is really simple in nature, which is very true, but it's also very difficult, um, which you alluded to as well, which I have definitely seen from being able to just kind of dive into his writings and his life, um, which is, I think St. Jose Maria. his writings really, really just kind of hit you in the face almost, um, where it's you're just, you're reading, you're reflecting, and then he just gives you a little punchline and it's, oh yeah, I really need to look at that aspect um, within my own spiritual life and spiritual journey, um, and so I think his foundations in Opus Dei is really um, has become putting together this community of people, and that we know that in the Catholic faith we can't walk this road alone. That you need community, whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that's um, coworkers. Whether you know, there's always you can't live your life solely independent independently on your own, and so. Opus Dei really formed this foundation, this path of community for men and women to come together to dive into the scriptures. And so there's different different commitments that members of Opus Dei participate in, which is um, a little bit of, uh, I'm not very well-versed, but I, got, I mean, daily mass is a huge part of it. Um, reading in the scriptures, um, they do weekly gatherings of small group reflections. They do uh, a monthly, day of recollection where they come together for talks and reflections i'll do a yearly retreat things like that and so it's very very rooted in prayer very rooted in the gospel as you mentioned Um, and so and again it's always bringing bringing people back to christ and really orienting really helping you orient your entire life back to christ and really bringing christ into those daily moments
0: yeah yeah and it's so tough to remember that in the moment too i think you know again, like you said, it's, it's so simple yet. It's so complex. Um, right, right. And for, like straightforward when you hear it, it's like, Oh yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> like sanctify my work. And then you get into it and you're like, Oh man, I didn't do that at all today. And so I think it truly is just like a continuing effort. Um, and one of my favorite quotes that I read, uh, earlier this week by him was conversion is a moment. Um, but uh, sanctity is the work of a lifetime. And right. I think that's the same thing with mastering his spirituality mastering who he is and what he stood for. It's, it's easy to kind of hear this and be like, oh, yeah, I need to practice that more. But you also can't hold yourself up to that perfect standard of, well, I read this book by St. Jose Maria Escriva, now I have to live it out perfectly.
1: Right, right. And I think there has to be some sense of being able to forgive yourself in a sense, because you know that we as human beings are not perfect, and that we might take one step forward, two steps back. But again, going back to... His spirituality. What you were saying is that it is the work of a lifetime, and we have this—we have our life as a spiritual journey. And we, we might—some of us might just beginning, might just be beginning. Some of us might be along, further along in the path. But at the same time, we are all facing that same finish line of getting our getting ourselves to heaven, getting getting others to heaven with us. And so, being able to look inward and know that we aren't perfect, but that we have all of these tools, all of these resources helping us along in that spiritual journey.
0: Yeah. And there, there is something to say too about that journey and falling in love with that journey, and even more so falling in love with like the ordinary in life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that just like from reading him briefly, these past couple of weeks is how in love he was with every single aspect of life. The things that we find monotonous or the things that we find very frustrating. Right. You know, right. Again, like we mentioned earlier, he was so joyful, so happy. And he did suffer greatly in his life. Um, right. Yeah, it's just something that kind of baffles me. Honestly, I don't have much to say. It baffles me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think too, it's there's, I don't know, in my own life, I don't know if you can relate to this, but in my own life, there's a handful of people who just have such a deep lasting joy um, and and they've gone through so much in their own life. But I know that when I reach out to them, when I talk with them, that they are a constant source of joy. And ultimately, it comes back to their own relationship with Christ and their own relationship with the faith. And because they have that, that positive outlook, that spiritual outlook. Um, but it is it's interesting, though, to see that so many of the saints, so many people in today's world, again, can be faced with such adversity, but then be rooted with so much joy and so much hope with the world. And really, similar to St. Jose Maria, being rooted in those ordinary moments, like you said. Um, can just bring so much joy and in today's world there's so many distractions there's we have technology that wasn't around during the life of san jose maria and it'd be fascinating to see him walk today's streets you know but um and i think i don't think much would change in his life um, because i think (laughs) so many of his writings apply to obviously still apply to today but um but he knew kind of that life of simplicity he knew that life of joy and just the the grace and the strength that can come from taking in those everyday moments and really just being with one another and really growing in fellowship was huge for him and having a good community of people around him was very important to his life as well.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that fellowship, um, which is kind of one of the big things I do want to point out with his spirituality, because I think within the spiritual life, and especially within like struggles, we often tend to go inward on ourselves uh, Mm -hmm. to kind of isolate, especially when we come to these ideas, like, well, yeah, I should be sanctifying my work, but I'm really not. We have this tendency to kind of put that on ourselves and say, look how bad I am and look how good everyone else is. Um, right, right. And I do love how much he really emphasized, I mean, it's not a family, but truly it is a family aspect of really coming to know each other, love each other in a very intimate and familial way, even if you aren't connected by blood. You know, it's that whole idea right, yeah. we're connected as uh, sons and daughters of Christ. It's like, okay, What does that mean then? How can we be brothers and sisters yet not come to encounter and love each other in a very intimate way? Um, And that's something that just has completely uh, rocked my world over these past few weeks and truly inspired me, not only in my own life, but just uh, in the way I've encountered friends, both those of the faith and not of the faith, just a greater appreciation for the human life. And that's something that I think all of us can maybe look to him and kind of look for his Mm -hmm. intercession
1: to kind of grow for a greater appreciation for God's creation. Definitely, definitely. No, I think that's huge, um, and I think it's it's interesting that we've become such a digital age too, especially over the past few months, and um, where the world is, I feel like, growing apart, but at the same time growing closer together, because we have, there's so much happening in the world, um, but at the same time, yeah, we need one another to just to continue to build one another up, um, and, to, and to really be able to help one another um, in that spiritual journey.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to take a stab at this. Um, I want you to maybe take a stab after me, or you sure. can just correct me <laughs> if you'd like. Um, a summary of the spirituality of St. Jose Maria Escriva, for those who don't know him, who aren't aware of him, you know, if we had to put this down into, you know, maybe three or four bullet points or three or four sentences, what, what do you think that that would be? What would be the things that truly this world can look to his life and say, that is how I need to... Uh, that's what I can apply to my own life. And that's how I need to convert within my own heart. That's how I need to change. And those are kind of inspirations that we can look to and start to emulate within our own lives to assist our own
1: growth within that sanctity that he talks about. Sure. So I think first and foremost, I think which we've already touched on um, is just the sanctity, sanctifying the ordinary moments of everyday life and really beginning to to look at your life as a path of holiness and not just not just oh, it's another day, but today is the day that I can that I can conquer. Today is the day that I can strive. Today is the day that I can take a step forward in my spiritual journey, no matter what I have planned for the day. Um, so I think that's first and foremost a highlight of his spirituality. Yeah. Um, and then he was he had a lot of devotions as well. So he was very rooted in Mary, and he was very rooted in a Marian spirituality, and he loved the Blessed Mother. Um, he's often seen photographed, holding a rosary, a lot of his spiritual writings, especially in the, the way each chapter really ends with a few points that bring in the theme re- and relate it to the Blessed Mother. Um, and so that was that was a huge aspect of his life. He visited a lot of the Marian apparition sites. Um, he was very devoted to Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Torres Ciudad in Spain. Um, and so so that was a huge aspect of his spirituality. He was also very much rooted in the Eucharist, um, so being a, being Eucharistic and and running to the sacraments and being able to feed yourself spiritually through through the Eucharist and to be able to receive that grace and be able to receive the sacrament of reconciliation and be able to receive that mercy. Um, and then he also had a very strong devotion to Saint Joseph and um, and his guardian angel as well. Um, and so those are, those are probably like the key moments or the key, key spiritual moments that I would pull from his life. It's just sanctifying the ordinary, um, being, being rooted in the Blessed Mother, being rooted in the Eucharist, and then building up a devotion to St. Joseph and viewing him as your spiritual father, just as he was the father of Christ, and then really relying on the protection of your own guardian angel um, and the angels surrounding you as you work throughout your day.
0: Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the nose there. Um, I think that that personally is something that I have always kind of found the most beneficial myself. And when you mentioned being rooted within the sacraments, just having that supplication is so important. It's so underrated, especially right, right now. I remember when there were those weeks that we couldn't receive the sacraments. Uh, right. And I remember just like the interior poverty that happened. Like I didn't notice it until I went back and I was like, oh man, I have really been missing something. Um, yeah. And I know that we mentioned this before, too, uh, before we started talking here today, his devotion to those different saints that we mentioned, you know, of course, his devotion to the Blessed Mother, um, but also I think two of his more unknown devotions with first being Joseph, um, the Father of Christ, uh, truly his devotion to the entire whole, Holy Family, which honestly makes more and more sense the more and more I think about it based on how he structured Opus Dei to be a family centered in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as his guardian angels. I know that there are a couple writings that I've writings of his that I've read and just his intimate interaction with them and his intimate recognition of them uh, is kind of uh, baffling to me just because in my own life, like, of course, I've been told about the guardian angels. I've been told to pray to them, but I never think of the guardian angel being right next to me at this moment. You know, I, I don't right. think like that for some reason. Um, and reading him, it, it makes me almost feel like I've been living my whole life wrong. He's like, <laughs> do, you, do you not understand that you have this angel guiding you and protecting you through your entire life by your side 24 seven. It's like, Oh, I guess I didn't. Um, But his devotion to that, if you could expand on that, maybe a little bit, that'd be awesome.
1: Sure. Um, And I've been very similar to you as well. Like I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I knew about the angels. I knew about my guardian angel, but I did not have nearly the devotion that St. Jose Maria had and um, did not look upon the angels in that same way as well. Um, But he really, I think both his devotion to Saint Joseph and the holy Family and then the and the angels both those two devotions really stemmed from his parents as well at a young age really instilling that into his life um and so yeah, his viewpoint on angels is fascinating because he really does view his guardian angel as almost as a person literally walking every single step of the day with him, and that he sometimes it almost sounds like he's having a conversation with his angel um but <laughs> I mean, obviously, we know he's not, but in theory, he could be spiritually, um, he could be spiritually connected to that. But he really, he really relied on the presence of the angel of the angels and this guardian angel and really understood the theology behind angels and their, and their incredible spiritual power, especially against the forces of evil. Um, and there's even a great story of St. Jose Maria falling asleep one day and knowing that he either he either didn't have a clock or just forgot to set his alarm clock for the morning but really when he was whenever he was too tired he would just pray to his guardian angel and ask for his guardian angel to wake him up in the morning when he needed to be awake and Never had an issue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really want to put that to test, but I'm very right. nervous about the outcome. <laughs> you know, just set your alarm
1: clock for ten minutes after and see what uh, happens. That's a good. Yeah, that's
0: maybe I'll test it. All right. Well, I usually wake up at six forty-five. Guardian Angel, so you can wake me up at six thirty. Right. right. I don't. I'll hit but like, it'd be cool. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, well, I think that we really hit um, most of those things that I wanted to talk about with his life. I hope that everyone else kind of got to learn a little bit more about his devotion and about his life, his spirituality. Um, hopefully you and myself, we can put these things into better practice. Hopefully Definitely. you, the listeners can also put it into better practice. Um, again, before we close out, I, I asked to prepare for this question. I know you have, cause we already discussed it. Um, but yeah, personal favorite story or quote of St. Jose Maria Escriva. I think there is something on your guys' website that said the quotable St. Jose Maria Escriva has yeah, a lot of, he has a lot of great one-liners, those kind of you yeah, right in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, do you have a Definitely. favorite? Definitely, yeah. So there's many, and I feel lucky because I get to post all of, our, all of his quotes on social media, and I'm <laughs> reading all of his writings every day. But my personal favorite is, um, really just kind of sums up his spirituality to you, I think, in a sense. But it is, there is something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary situations, and it is up to each one of you to discover it. So I can I'll read that one more time. So it's there is something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary situations, and it is up to each one of you to discover it. And so I think it really is just a good, just a good reminder of always being aware, always kind of being on the lookout for those moments of grace throughout the day, those moments of holiness, and really that your your daily life, your spiritual life is a journey, and that if you if you pray for that awareness, if you pray for to see the world through the eyes of Christ, that you would be that you're amazed to see what you can find, and I know that's true in my own life. Um, those moments where I am intentionally praying to see to see others as Christ would see them, really it, Really has changed my perspective on on the world and how I view people, um, and has really been really has been eye opening for me to really see see those moments of grace throughout the day as well. Um, so. That's, that's one of my favorites and then another quick story if i can um go is for just, it as <laughs> to really the first quote that i heard of his which was the heroic minute um and so i know it's a big one often in the um college ministry or with focus things like that but um he preaches or he has some ratings on just starting your day without hitting snooze um which is very simple in theory <laughs> <laughs> And maybe if you pray to your guardian angel, you can get some extra help on this one as well, but his perspective on this is merely that if you if you hit snooze, you're essentially you're essentially putting your your path to holiness you're putting that off by five or ten minutes, however long you're choosing to sleep in and so if you if you don't hit snooze, you have five extra minutes in your day in which you could achieve sanctity in which you could pursue holiness and so so that was a big aspect of his life as well. Just being, you know, just going for it and being punctual and jumping right into it. So those are two of my favorites from him.
0: You know, I've heard of the heroic minute and I tried it and I failed <laughs> miserably. And now I kind of feel a little guilty about it. So I got, I got to maybe give it a try
1: <laughs> again. It's okay, Lent is always a good season for that. I feel it like is. It always- Back up in social media around Lent in the Catholic world, so yeah,
0: that that is one of the big ones. You I didn't know that that was a story from him. though. That's interesting to find out. Uh, I do think you hit it on the head though with that first quote. Even just that is a great summary of his spirituality. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking for looking for the holy and looking for the extraordinary within the ordinary everyday part of our lives. Um, and I do have a surprise because I also prepared my favorite quote that I was able to that find awesome. in these last two weeks. Um, <laughs> so, my favorite quote that I was able to find is: "If we struggle daily to become saints, each of us in his own situation in the world, I assume or er, oh, I assure you that God will make us into instruments that can work miracles." I apologize for my poor handwriting that I can't even (laughs) write, or I can't even read, Uh, but I will say it again for uh, clarity. Um, If we struggle daily to become saints, each of us in his own situation in the world, I assure you that God will make us into instruments that can work miracles. Um, And again, I think this goes back to what you were saying, of just kind of staying true to our path, staying on the course, um, understanding that conversion may be a moment but sanctity is the work of a lifetime and this isn't something that's achieved overnight and we can look to Jose Maria Escriva as a great example of that with his entire life's work became his sanctity you know he wasn't a saint when he was 16 when he found his inspiration to become a priest and start Opus Dei he wasn't a saint when he was 35 years old and Opus Dei was starting to grow he was a saint after he died after his lifelong work went into action um so that's very inspiring to me. I'm, I'm someone who sometimes, you know, I see what's in front of me and I re, I'm a reaction based, uh, reaction based human. So understanding this quote and kind of taking it into, taking it into heart that if I stay true to this, um, God's going to work with what I give him and he's going to call me deeper and ask more of me. Uh, and to me, honestly, that's just exciting. Uh, you know, who, who's to tell what will come
1: definitely, definitely. No, I think that's, yeah, that's a beautiful quote, too, just knowing that if we're open, that God can, God will walk with us throughout our journey, and he, if we give him an inch, he'll take us a mile, and he'll take us further than what we can ever plan for our own life.
0: Yep, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Before we close, I do want to ask you, um, since you are at the Institute, for those who are listening who aren't familiar with the Institute, or maybe they are and just haven't really been involved, how can we, um, how can they, one, get involved. Two, support you guys, support your mission.
1: Sure. So, so you can learn more about us. Um, we're Again, we're a digital apostolate. So we, we share a lot on our website, SaintJoseMaria.org, And then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll just do a daily post of a different, different excerpt from the writings of St. Jose Maria. So if you want some good daily inspiration to start your day, um, that's a great place to find that. And then you can listen to our podcast as well, um, which is um, just, again, about 30-minute reflections from Priests of Opus Day. Um, so they're great to pray with and great to reflect on. Um, so we are the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast, um, most any player where you find podcasts. So.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, everyone, I do encourage you to take advantage of these resources. Um, I spent quite a bit of time on their website over this past week. Uh, they've got a really good thing going over there. Uh, they've got our full support, of course. Um, Catholics got to support Catholics. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely. But, of course, yeah, if you have any questions for myself or for Brent or for Benjamin, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I can, uh, one, put you in touch with the Institute, too. Uh, I can coordinate an answer for you. Um, But again, if you have any questions, uh, concerns, uh, recommendations, feel free to reach out to me at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And before we leave, I know I usually ask for prayers for myself as well as The Catch and all of its members. Um, But in lieu of that today, I'm going to ask that you forward those prayers on to Benjamin, um, his own personal life, as well as the entire mission and entire organization of the St. Jose Maria Institute. Um, Benjamin, it was an honor to have you. Thank you so much for joining us
1: today. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a blast being able to talk to you. Thank you. Of course.
0: Thank you. Well, everyone, until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.